Welcome to the sermon podcast for First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Please visit us at fccwarsaw.com to learn more about our church or to make plans to be with us on a Sunday morning. Again, that's fccwarsaw.com. How long do you leave your Christmas tree up? Some people dismantle their tree on Christmas Day, right after their presents are unwrapped and the guests are gone. My mother took the tree out the back door as the wrappings went out the back door. Just as soon as things were over, the guests were not even gone yet, but the tree had to go down. Other people leave their tree up for two or three days after Christmas. Some people still have their tree up. I spoke to someone recently who likes to leave her tree up, believe it or not, until March or April. She just enjoys it so much, doesn't want to take it down. And I say, well, why not? Why not? How many of you still have your tree up in your house the way you celebrated Christmas? I knew there would be a few. Did anyone take your tree down who has taken your tree down already? the way the guy in the video did. You might want to try that next year, Brad. Might be a a good thing. If you've ever run a chainsaw, imagine what that room smelled like when he got the tree finally out the door. Well, regardless, regardless of your preference, there comes a day when it is time to take down the tree. It's time to pack away the ornaments and the decorations until November or December rolls around once again. The truth is, Christmas only lasts a short while. And the taking down of the tree sort of symbolizes that all the special feelings and joys and moods of the season are also going away for another year. We just know from experience that the rest of the year will be quite unlike what happens at Christmas time. Well, Luke tells us in chapter 2 of his gospel about the birth of Jesus. And then he moves right in after, after he tells the birth narrative. He tells us about the shepherds, about the angels. And he moves quickly then into three stories that illustrate how Emmanuel can also bring us blessings for the remainder of the year. So I think, in a way, Luke 2 suggests that when it's time to take down the tree, it's also a good time, first of all, to be obedient to God. And we see that reflected in the first story that Luke tells, beginning in verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. He says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, that being the baby Jesus, He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, 
a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. A verse you will not see on the screen near the end of the chapter says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Now, I think it's rather easy to see how Joseph and Mary could have reasoned that the child that Mary gave birth to was exempt from strict adherence to the rituals required by Old Testament law. After all, this Jesus was God, was he not? In fact, he was the author of those laws that they were obeying. He helped produce those laws. Would he not also be exempt from those laws since he was over those laws? But Mary and Joseph did not think that way. In fact, they seem to have been very conscientious about obeying God's commands pertaining to, in this passage especially, circumcision, naming, purification, and dedication or consecration, whichever translation, whichever word your translation uses. Joseph and Mary had been entrusted with the responsibility of parenting God's son partly, partly on the basis of how obedient to God they had been in the past. They were chosen for this special role because they were holy, because they had a history of being obedient to God. And that, it seems, was not about to change. The path of spiritual joy and satisfaction is still paved with obedience to God. As we grow in Christ, as we live for Christ, it is not enough to bow in worship once a year at the manger. It's not even enough to worship once in a while if we're growing spiritually. What God hopes to see in us is obedience. Obedience every day, in every circumstance, living His will in the routine of daily life. Obedience is a lifelong love affair with God. Obedience is a lifelong love affair with God. It's never complete. It's never a finished task that we can say, okay, now I don't need to obey God anymore because I've already done that. It's not like that. As you study, as you listen to God, you learn of new areas, new ways. God wants your obedience. That is the deepening of your walk with the Lord. As it turns out, we each one must decide many, many times in our lives to obey God in our daily walk. It's never a one and done thing. So as your obedience grows, so do you. The Christian life 
is never without joy and satisfaction for those who are truly obedient to God. And I am thankful for the witness, for the example that Joseph and Mary give us in that regard with their obedience to God. The second story that that Luke tells us then after the birth narrative encourages us, I think, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When it's time for the tree to come down, it's also time to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Beginning at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The old gentleman, Simeon, was a privileged man, not because of his years, not because of his position in society, and certainly not because of his wealth or business success. No, Simeon was privileged because of his righteous relationship with God. In Simeon's day, which was actually the Old Testament era, you see, it's still Old Testament era until Jesus dies, is raised again, and the church is established in Acts chapter 2. So Simeon lived in the last few days or years of the Old Testament era. And in that day and age, God only gave his spirit to certain people for certain purposes and for a certain length of time. They did not know the indwelling or the gift of the Holy Spirit as we know it today in the Christian era. And so Simeon really stands out because he was the recipient of this very rare and special privilege, which was the Holy Spirit being upon him. Simeon was well aware of God's promises in the Old Testament. The promises that God had made through most, if not all, of the Old Testament prophets that someday God would send his Messiah to be the shepherd and savior of his people, Israel. Simeon must have studied those Old Testament texts. He must have thought that through carefully 
time after time he must have majored on this subject. And because of Simeon's perpetual interest in the Messiah's coming, God revealed to him that he would get to see the Messiah Savior before he left this world, before he left this life. What a wonderful, great double privilege Simeon had. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he got to see the Messiah. In fact, he even got to hold the Messiah in his arms. As it was with Simeon, we who have the Holy Spirit today are a uniquely privileged people. We are never alone. The Spirit of God is our constant guide. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. He is our strength. He is our wisdom. He is the messenger of God's will to us. He is always at our side, always ready to meet our needs, always ready to lead us toward God. Sadly, not all Christians are sensitive to God's Spirit. Some believers live a spiritually sterile, secular life, unaware of the resources and blessings the Spirit wants to bring into their lives. Would you accept the challenge to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in this new year? When your tree comes down and the thrills of Christmas begin to ebb, perhaps you would welcome the excitement of being led and molded by God's Spirit this new year. The third scenario that Luke reminds us of, informs us of, is contained in the next few verses, suggesting that when it's time to take down the tree, it's also a good time to be excited to tell about Christ. Verses 36 and following. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I've been in the ministry for several years. I've been around senior citizens all of those years. And it appears to me that once we, and I include myself in this group, once we begin to put a few years on ourselves, we sometimes, some of us, tend to get a little bit negative. We tend to be a little bit gloomy in our outlook we begin to be a little bit more critical than we had been in the past. 
And frankly, some of us senior citizens get to be just a little bit crabby. There is nothing as refreshing as an excited, positive, enthusiastic senior citizen. When you meet one of those people, you know it, don't you? They really stand out. A positive, enthusiastic, excited senior citizen. Well, Anna was exactly that way. She was positive, she was excited, and she was really enthusiastic, especially about what happened to her this day in the temple. She may have had several wrinkles, and she may have been slow on her feet, but she was serious about her relationship with God. And she was very excited about what she saw and heard that day in the temple. In fact, she was so excited about that that she began telling all her friends and everyone that she could see about the special child she had just met. What a wonderful privilege again for her like it was for Simeon that she was allowed to see and recognize the Savior of the world, her Savior, the one who would pay the price for her sin. She was allowed to see him before likely in the next few years passing from this world. So here's the bigger picture. What God began announcing through angels and angel choirs early in this chapter, he then passed along to the shepherds with the good news that they would share with their friends and neighbors. They went about excitedly telling what the angels had told them and what they had seen at the manger scene. And now God is spreading the good news about his son through the reverent ministry of this dear old saint. But I want you to remember that her qualifying mark was not her age. It was her attitude. She was excited to tell about Jesus. What a wonderful story the Christmas season leaves etched upon our hearts. Reminders of God's love, evidence of his divine power, evidence of his divine wisdom, refreshing, refreshing news of peace and goodwill coming to our hearts through the special baby born in Bethlehem. What incredible truths these are with which our hearts have recently been refreshed. Whether you are very old, very young, or somewhere in the middle, if the story of Christ's birth has touched you in any way, then you have good news to share with someone who hasn't yet understood God's love. When it's time to take down the tree, it's also time to tell others that Jesus came for them. The Christians I know who are the happiest, the most fulfilled, are the ones who take the wonder of Christmas 
and live it and show it and tell it throughout the whole year. What will you do with Christ when it's time to take down the tree? Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We invite you to join us for worship on an upcoming Sunday morning. Check out our website at fccwarsaw.com for more details and information. Again, that's fccwarsaw.com.